Good morning, Jonathan Washburn. It's uh, good to see you here on Indie Strategy. I'm Michael Weaver from Indianapolis. And Jonathan, you're from uh, up there in the uh, cold part of Ohio, Cleveland. <laughs> it's getting colder. We uh, had a Browns game last night. Didn't get home until almost 1 a.m. Wow. It was rainy. It was windy. We had wind gusts of 37 miles per hour at certain points. Wow. Uh, but we had a good time. We... Uh, able to make it through, and uh, Brown's got the W, so I am tired, but happy this morning. That's, that's what it makes it all worth it, doesn't it? <laughs> that's right. That's funny. So, um, it's been a minute since we've done a podcast. Uh, actually, um, it, all of my family got sick for a couple weeks, and uh, I never get sick, but uh, these kiddos brought something home, something nasty, so um, glad to be with you and uh, back on track. So tell me, uh, what's been going on in your world lately? Yeah, so um, I think as uh, I, I'm going through some things that probably a lot of people are going through, um, and we talk about it quite a bit on this podcast, but, you know, going through the growing pains of growing, right? Um, you, you build your business, you start growing, and you get it to the point where, like, you have to make the choice. If I keep going it this, this hard myself, um, I'm not going to have the work-life balance that I desire. Um, but if I hire somebody, that's going to cost me money. So what do we do here? Do we hire somebody to help lighten the load? Do we hire somebody because we think it's going to help us grow? So I've been going through a lot of that. Uh, we've been able to hire an assistant about, I guess, about six weeks ago now. And um, it's been really good. Uh, she has helped in a lot of different ways. And we've already made some mistakes, so we are working through those and trying to, you know, I think we've, we've, we've got some good solutions, um, but yeah, just kind of going through the growing pains of, of building a business and, um, you know, learning new things every day that I think are going to help us, you know, moving forward. Awesome. Well, um, the whole point of this uh, podcast from the beginning for me was to really ask those hard questions. Um, and so I, I'm just really curious. The, the other, the other point is you ask hard questions. So you learn from, from other people. Uh, I mean, that, that's literally the, the entire premise of why I got started doing the podcast, uh, in the first place. So, uh, walk me through that, you know, um, for those who might not be, uh, caught up, uh, you did hire an assistant, uh, to, to grow, um, and you made the choice uh, to hire someone that is, um, you know, personal that you would know, you know, first firsthand. Uh, it wasn't somebody who got like a virtual assistant or something like that. So, um, why don't you tell me, like, what uh, what have you learned? What kind of mistakes did you make? And now, um, you know, now walking through that, you would not make them again. You know, as you you know, hindsight, twenty twenty. Yeah. So again. Less than two months in at this point, so I'm going to share some lessons that I think I've learned. Mm-hmm. Ask me two months from now, and I might tell you the exact different. Right? Sure. I definitely don't claim to have this all worked out. I do think it's interesting because my business partner and I, uh, you know, we're we're doing the 
same thing at basically the same time. And he opted to hire a virtual assistant from overseas, mm -hmm. um, whereas I opted to hire an actual person, you know, that I that I work with, that I see, you know, two three times a week. You know, we both do typically work remote, but you know, we'll have team meetings with you know our, our some of our loan officers every every Thursday, and really that ideas back and forth. Um, so obviously the the main advantage of hiring a a local person that can help you with things um, is that that proximity I think is important right um, it, it's well let me rephrase I think that proximity is valuable I don't know that it's important I don't know that you have to have it in order to make um, an assistant work but I do think it's valuable here's how it's valuable in certain ways you know um, if I host an event if I sponsor a golf tournament if I you know I set up a booth at um, city event, um, it's not just me, right? My assistant can be there. She can get there early to help me set up. She can stay late to help me, me, me tear down. You know, if I, if I if I need to use the bathroom or if I want to go get something to eat while I'm at the booth, I can leave, but we still have somebody there, right? It's not just like, oh, that's this weird booth. Who's the dude at Borges? It doesn't even exist, right? There's nobody there. Um, so so that's, a, that's a really valuable thing. And, and another thing I think is really valuable is and I think we all learned this over COVID. Um, we as humans are energized by being face to face with people and rubbing shoulders, you know, in the room with each other. Um, and yeah, we can do a lot on Zoom, and we can do a lot on the phone, and we can do a lot on the over text. But when we're having a brainstorming session on what do we want to do this month for marketing, what do we want to do to reach out to more more clients, what do we want to do? To out to, 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 to new businesses. Um, it's really, it's been really positive to have somebody in the room with me. So when I say something that's dumb, if she's good, she'll call me out. She's like, nah, John, that's a terrible idea. Right? Um, or, yeah, that's a really great idea. I mean, just like kind of getting that feedback. Um, like I said, it's energized me in a lot of ways. Um, obviously, the main disadvantage is that it is more expensive than hiring someone overseas. You know, my buddy went the exact other route. Um, and, and he signed up with a company it's, he's been really happy with so far. Um, you know, you pay him not, not that much money to sort of vet out different candidates for you. And then they, come, they came to him with, with five different candidates. And, you know, they gave him recordings of their voice. Here's how they sound on the phone. Here's their experience. Um, and all five people that, that they came to him um, had at least two years of experience for being, you know, assistants for other loan officers. So they know what they're doing. They know the drill. Um, and uh, you know, they they work overseas, so um, you can pay them less than what you'd have to pay them here, and it's still a lot of money for them. So they don't think that they're being treated unfairly, and you're able to save a good amount of money. Um, again, I did not opt go that direction, but my friend did, and he's had a lot of success with it so far. He's also having some of the growing pains of the fact that, you know, she's not there. You know, everything has to be done via Zoom with an eight-hour time difference, and, you know, she's, she's doing a great job for him. She's, she's accomplishing a lot of the tasks that he asked for her to accomplish, um, and he's, he's got nothing but, you know, positive feedback for her. 
the thing that I that I learned through the process, though, is that a lot of times you think, okay, I'm going to hire somebody overseas. How do I do that? Well, there are companies that exist for the sole purpose of helping you do that. And, you know, they, they help my buddy by, like I said, screening a whole bunch of applicants, narrowing it down to five, then he set up interviews with three of them, and then he picked one, and then they trained that person for a week, and now she's working for him, and he, he's been really happy. So, so um, I think if you were to ask my friend which route is better, he would say his. And if you were to ask me which route is better, I would say mine. Uh, we are different people. I do think maybe my friend doesn't care as much about the face-to-face interaction as perhaps I do, and that's fine, right? That works for his business. Um, but it's been cool to see, you know, it's, it's been fun to watch us both try these new things and experience various levels, levels of success for it. So uh, when you're looking at uh, cost differences, um, do you have any idea what it looks like for that week of setup for um, the other the other person? Like, uh, do they do they kind of bundle that in with, hey, if you use our services, we'll throw in the training, or is it uh, is it all hourly? That hey, it's going to take thirteen hours to get you trained, so budget you know the hourly rate times thirteen hours or whatever it is. Like, do they uh, do you know how that works? Yeah, so um, the company that my buddy is, it was $500 to basically to have them vet out enough candidates and bring him, bring him five, okay? So it was really not very expensive at all. Um, so $500 to, to um, sign up for the program and for them to bring him five candidates. And then I think it was another $500 to actually have them train that candidate and now he's got a relationship with this person and he pays her an hourly rate and that company is you know still there you know in case things go wrong and we need to hire someone different mm-hmm. we still have these other candidates but they're effectively out of the picture yeah so for a thousand dollars really he's got an assistant that you know they vetted and they trained for him and now he can pay her you know whatever they agree is is fair um for hourly work this a 20 hour a week job this is a 40 hour a week job this is an 80 hour a week job you know what whatever we want to decide whatever we need um and like i said so this the uh the, the lady that he was able to hire she lives in the philippines um she is an awesome lady um speaks excellent english if, if she answered the phone you would never think that she is um you know in this in an overseas call center um which is really what she is doing um and she's, she's great for him. So she, she really liked her. He really likes it so far. Um, it's significantly cheaper than what I'm doing. Would you say 50%? It's probably even more than that. Wow. Um, once you factor that, so she's not a W-2 employee. That was she's not getting benefits. I was going to get into that. Yeah. So, I mean, she's, she's basically a 1099 contractor. So, um, he, he just cuts her a check or sends her Venmo every single week for her hours worked, and and it's, it's it, it, that's it, right? Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, my assistant's an official employee of Cross Country Mortgage, and she's making um, what I think is a good fair salary, and she get she's got benefits and retirement and medical and dental and all that. So once you factor all that in, um, it is significantly cheaper to go the other route. Again, I thought it was worth it to have somebody on my side or on my team at my side um, 
to do with my business. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a fun experience for us both so, so far, and we're already seeing we're already seeing positive growth from it. Good. Good. Well, that's uh, that's exciting to see. You know, the personal thing. Um, let me circle back to what are some things though that you you had uh, you might have called missteps or, or mistakes, but but you actually learned from and things that you know if someone's listening and they're they're looking to weigh both of these. Um, and I think it's it's actually like a, a really common step, uh, especially in our fields, to hire uh, one or the other. Um, one thing I've never gotten into is hiring an assistant. Um, just because I've I've not been to the level where um, I wanted my personal growth to be where I didn't I, I'm, I'm a micromanager and in some sense I feel like I would be uh, you know doing double work um, in other aspects of my company um, I've certainly learned the value of uh, you know when I'm looking to hire somebody I find their strengths and um, we actually have uh, a few people in the in the business who aren't excellent brokers, but I found what they're good at, and they hang out because uh, they're doing other things for their business, and it's it's amazing. Um, and you know, eventually they'll get they'll get the good broker part of them. But right now, you know, just getting started or whatever. But um, so tell me, what are some of the some of the mistakes that you've learned um, that you think, hey, this is you know, we could have done this one better. <laughs> Okay. That turned out great for me. Okay. And then a mistake that I made after we had already hired um, that we had to learn from. Okay. So first of all, let's talk about the hiring pro- process. Um, I listened to a podcast last summer by Malcolm Gladwell. He's written several books, uh, Blink, The Tipping Point, um, you know, uh, uh, David and Goliath. Um, he's, written, he's written several different books. I thought Jesus wrote that one. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. He wrote a book that was based off of the story David and Goliath about how um, how oftentimes perceived weaknesses in people can wind up becoming strengths. And so he, he took like a very um, he, he took a different view on David and Goliath than I would would take, which is fine. But his whole thing was like, you look at David and Goliath and you think he has this big weakness because he's smaller, um, but he's um, a long-range fighter, right? So would you rather have a giant with no gun or a small person with a gun? Well, the long-range fire wins every time. David had a sling, so his perceived disadvantage was actually an advantage. And again, he takes a little bit different view on David and Goliath than I would take. I kind of think the whole um, God supernaturally working in that story has more to do with the fact than the fact that uh, David also had this, you know, military advantage. No, no, he just, God knew his advantage. He, he's, God saw it the same way that guy saw it, and he was like, hey, this guy's a long-range fighter. I'm using him. <laughs> um, but, but, so, for instance, he, he made this statement. He, he uses that to go through, like, 12 different areas of life where we think something's a disadvantage, and it actually turns into an advantage. Sure. Um, and talked about something like 40% in the book, something like 40% of, um, of CEOs at Fortune 500 companies have dyslexia. And you're like, what? Um, and it's basically the whole premise was dyslexia is an unbelievable disadvantage for school. 
because it actually makes it like for a lot of kids almost impossible to read because of what their you know their brain is communicating with their eyes if you can't read in school as a third grader how are you going to do anything right and so a lot of kids with dyslexia just grow up hating school because it, they can't get it to work for them um but if you can get through school without hating it and without hating learning oftentimes dyslexia forces you to compensate for your inability to read with other things. So for instance, people with dyslexia are often far superior at reading people's nonverbal than than people without dyslexia. So when we're in third grade and we're reading a story with our teacher, if you don't have dyslexia, you're just reading, right? You're just reading along. But the person that has dyslexia that can't read along very well, he's looking at his teacher the entire time to try to see the emotions on his face to help him fill in the gaps in the story for the things that he's not he's not able to pick up through reading or, or listening, right? And so um, being able to read people is like a very, very crucially important part of being a successful person. And so a lot of times this disadvantage that people often have turns into an advantage. You know, it's, it's like somebody without sight has better hearing, right? And that can be, you know, that can enable them to uh, hear things that, you know, other people would not be able to hear. Um, so, uh, this same guy, he did a, Malcolm Gladwell, he did a podcast called Hiring Nihilism. And his, his whole point was, you know, whenever we hire anybody, we don't really know, right? We don't really know if they're going to be a great fit. We can look at the resume, we can talk to them, we can think they, they have, they fulfill all the qualifications. But we don't actually know them all the time, and sometimes it's going to work, and sometimes it's going to it's not going to work, and sometimes the things that you think are huge red flags don't matter at all, and the things that you think are wonderful um, qualifications wind up not mattering. So, for instance, I hired a gal named Julia, um, and when she came in for the interview, she just crushed it, right? Like best interview of anyone that I that I talked with um, and if it was like only the interview it was a no-brainer but there was this thing that was really really bothering me. It, and for me before I hired her this was actually a big deal what was it she had a typo on her resume <laughs> and look I, I know I'm weird I was a former English teacher right my mom was an English teacher Grammar is very important to me. I write a lot of emails. I take pride in the fact that most of my emails are spelled correctly with correct punctuation and good subject verb agreement. Um, and I'm thinking, man, this is a resume that you're turning in, and there's a typo in it. Like this is this is a really really big deal. Well, in spite of the typo, I did hire her, and uh, I learned literally the first day. Oh, she has dyslexia. Oh. That's interesting. That actually completely explains, you know, what, what what we have on our resume. You know, we're 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 doing training the first week, um, and you know, she's she's searching stuff into Google and she's typing stuff into emails, and it's taking her a long time. And I like really truly thought, oh no, this is going to be a big deal, right? This is going to keep her from being as good as I want to be. And then. A couple days later, she answered a phone call for me because I have all my phone calls 
so that someone's always picking up. Yeah. And she did something on the phone that like stunned me. And this, this person called in, and they seemed pretty upset. But by the end of the of the conversation, they were both laughing. And then you know she she hung up. And she said, "John, hey, so and so called. Um, she she needs to talk to you, but she's fine right now. You know, she needs to talk to you a little bit later. If you can go give her a call back in about an hour." I was like, "Julia, what what happened there?" Seemed like they were kind of upset at the beginning. And she said, "Yeah, I could tell they were in a rush, so I just I I I I just said something else because I knew they were in a rush and that we could get back to it a little bit later." And I said, wait a minute, you could tell they were in a rush by how, like, they first said hello? And she said, yeah. I was like, I can't do that. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're, what you're talking about. Like, when someone says hello, I, I don't know. And I, I listen to her on the phones when we're in the office together. And the conversations that she's having with people are so good. And she's able to listen and respond to people in a way that I'm not able to do. And so, like, her ability to, to, to really listen closely to people is so far superior to mine, and she's been awesome, you know, for that aspect of the job. So maybe I can't, uh, maybe she can't type out four paragraph emails explaining a loan situation for me. That's fine, right? That's okay, right? She has all of these other qualities and abilities that I didn't even realize that when I went to hire her, I did, I wouldn't have even thought were that important. And now I'm, I'm I think every day like, what would I do without her? Like I need her for my business. She's She's like a crucial part of making this thing work. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a wow uh, time. And certainly um, I've got my uh, two cents, I guess I'll add. Um, we, we have a little boy that is about to turn seven. And uh, same thing, we're, we're actually going to, uh, to find out if, if he has dyslexia because he has um, other things that point to and kind of go hand in hand with it. And um, school is such, uh, such a struggle. Um, and and it's, it's so difficult like, to, to, to learn for those kind of people. And, and then, you know, I, I wasn't like super, super smart in school. Um, but I was kind of in the middle, and then to see kids like you uh, do a test, I, I actually even tell this to people when I when I w- send them your way. I said he's for everything I hated about him in school, about like he would take a test in ten minutes and get an A on it, and everyone else is sitting there struggling, and you know to to maybe get an A, but you know to not definitely do as well as quick. I mean, it's just annoying. And I said that's why I I want you to 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 work uh, with John because he's just good at what he does. He can read things. He knows things. He can read like an encyclopedia of mortgage law and be able to pull from that. You know, years later to get you out of a rut maybe that you're dealing with. You know, we've literally had that example where you and me are going through a deal and and the underwriter's telling you something and and you're like fighting like no, we don't have to do this or we need to do this, whatever the case is, and and we get it done and. For our little kid, like, um, um, I didn't know the stat was 40%, but there is a, a big guy at our church, uh, like, conglomerate, not, he doesn't work for our church, but in a, in like a supporting ministry, and, and it's, it's large, like, every single person, uh, that I would think in our denomination would know this guy, and when he goes to other countries, I mean, they flock by the tens of thousands, uh, to see him, literally, they show videos, and, and, um, it's it's like 
you know, this guy's got the dyslexia, right? And he can't, he can't read uh, well. Um, and it's, it's just amazing. And that's what I tell, tell our, our little guy is like, hey, you don't have to, uh, you know, you don't have to be the smartest kid in the room. Um, this, this stuff, you know, if you just keep working hard and keep doing your best, uh, everything else will come. And it's, it's interesting because, um, like I said, we'll, we'll struggle for something, um, you know, even hours, like, like we've, we've studied for like two hours on like, just like the days of the week. Okay. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, like two days later, it just comes and you're like, where'd that come from? And, and then like, and, and so in like a week we got through maybe a week and a half, we got through the entire days of the week, but he knows them and he knows them really well now. And that's, you know, that's, that's what I would say about, um, you know, the, that, that challenge, if there's anybody out there that's, that's got that, or is, you know, it's, it's not a, um, debilitating. It doesn't have to be a debilitating, uh, uh, disease. It literally can just, like you said, use your strengths and, um, it's interesting for me to have heard that from you, though, with as dissecting as you are with with uh, thoughts, opinions, and and very um, uh, various like personalities. I really find like you're good at kind of parsing that stuff, and so it was surprising on the on to hear that on the um, resume. Um, but I get it. I totally. If if I saw something, I actually I do something similar. Um, not quite like that, but, uh, when I interview, um, I, I like to take people and this would be something I would do private prior to COVID. I don't do it anymore because we do things zoom. Um, and it, and it makes it easier. But, um, what I would do is I would take people out to eat and I would see how they would treat, um, the servers. And if they were rude to the servers, um, I wouldn't want them because, uh, you know, if, if they couldn't handle that in, in just a normal thing, if they thought that they've made it, you know, by being their broker and that they're, you know, they're, they're going to eat with, you know, this person, like, I just was like, nah, I don't, I'm not interested in you. Um, and so that's, that's something that I too, you know, kind of add, add into the, uh, uh, the mix of the hiring process to kind of pick out how pers- people's personality is going to be. Um, another thing is you don't know, um, how they're going to be with complete strangers, and you want to make sure that your brand is um, going to be held to the highest, you know, standard. Um, I think that that's something else. You know, you hired somebody you know. Um, you'd like to think that they're going to do the best thing because they like you. Whereas, um, and that's their motivation. Whereas somebody overseas, they're they're going to try to do their best. Push comes to shove, though. Your guy across the pond. Uh, how do you know they're going to to necessarily uh, do their best? And also, um, you got struggles, right? Like everybody's got struggles. So it might not be, you know, that one phone call. It could be life piling up. Um, and they're just like done that day. And they're like, click, hang up, and then you lose a customer for life type thing. Like that's, I think that's a, a difficult situation in general, hiring somebody new. Um, is because you just don't know how they're going to treat your brand that you've, you, your baby, you know, you've, you've, work so hard to, to do the, the Dean of Mortgages and to, and to get that, um, you know, to a place where people are, are not only accepting, but they're looking, looking out for that. Like they're, they're waiting for that next YouTube video that you do, um, to see what else is coming. Well, yeah, I know I, some really good thoughts there. Again, I like the, the podcast that I listened to last year. It was called, it was called hiring nihilism, not because, 
I don't think the takeaway is like it doesn't matter who you hire. The takeaway is you really there's no way to really know before. Mm-hmm. You can do your best. You can you can hire people that you think are good, but at the end of the day, they're going to be good for that job. Oftentimes for things that you didn't even see at the interview. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I I had everyone I interviewed. I had take something called the DISC profile test. Oh yeah. Um, I'm a I'm a big fan of like these types of tests. You know, I'm I'm an ENTP on the Myers Briggs, which means I'm a debater personality. I'm sure that shocks you, right? I'm. A, Would you say you're master at that? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a three on the uh, Enneagram, um, and for the DISC profile, uh, I'm an ID, right? So the DISC basically there's four quadrants, right? You have dominant, you have influential, you have steady, and you have compliant, right? And the the, the main idea of the DISC profile is that in a work environment, a lot of times opposites are going to work better with each other, yeah. right? So I for influencing. Right, you know, this is someone that's more extroverted and, um, you know, impulsive. I would say, right, extroverted and impulsive, and impulsive, and the the exact opposite of the I is someone that is more compliant. These happen to be; these are typically people that are a little bit more introverted and um, cautious, mm-hmm. right, um, and. I'm an ID, which means I'm a, a big I, a low D, and Julia is a CS. She's the exact opposite of me. So th- what it, what this means is it's not like, hey, this means that I can do all the talking and she never has to talk and she'll just follow me, right? Because she definitely pushes back when she thinks I have a bad idea. But the, the, the balance that we have with each other makes it work quite well, you know, whereas if you have, if you have two people that are both dominant and uh, extroverted, right? Um, you can have some competition there. It may not work well, especially if one is supposed to be um, economically ahead of the other from like a, from a managerial standpoint. Um, so I did do that, and I think that definitely helped. But, you know, in, in, in our, our personality profiles on the DISC test match. But again, you know, she has been good for reasons that I didn't even consider when I hired her. Right. Um, so uh, we did make, here's, here's a mistake. After we hired, um, you know, one thing that we decided was, so in my opinion, in our industry, it's way better, it, it's, it's the best possible thing you can do is talk to the person you want to talk to, right? If you pick up the phone and call me, the single best outcome for you is for me to answer the phone. Right. Right. Um, the worst possible scenario is for you to go to a voicemail that's full, right? <laughs> so best case scenario, I answer the phone. Worst case scenario, the voicemail's full. Okay. Um, I believe, but there are obviously times when, you know, we are unable to answer. Maybe because I'm on the phone talking to somebody else. Yeah. So I believe that if I'm on the phone already and you call, it is better for you to talk to a person than to talk to my voicemail. Right. So what we did was uh, incoming calls that I cannot take. I had forwarded to Julia's phone. Yeah. So if someone calls me right now, I'm on this podcast. I can't answer. We're doing a podcast. Right. Yeah. Um, But they're not going to go to my voicemail. They're going to go to Julia's phone. Mm -hmm. And Julia will answer, take a message for me, say, John's John's recording a podcast. 
they'll call you back as soon as he's out. As soon as he's out, um, you know that, that's that's how we will we will go through the process. I've had a lot of really good feedback from that, right? Especially if I really am able to call right back as soon as I get out of the podcast, right? It's not something where I'm like, yeah, I don't want to work today. Julia just answered the phone for me, right? And you know, John, the the call goes to me first, and if I'm available, I pick it up. Yeah. But sometimes I'm not available. Um. So I had all my phone calls forwarded to her, but we didn't realize if, if you called me and I was on the phone, so I pressed that button and it's forwarded to Julia, but if she's already on the phone too, it actually goes to her voicemail instead of mine. Oh. So for about three weeks, we had people calling me. Sometimes I would have to send it to her and then, it would, and then she couldn't answer, which is rare, but it happened about three times. And then it went to her voicemail. And, oh, man, people were uh, – there were two main responses, but uh, they were either upset or they were confused or they were a combination of both. Yeah. Right? And so we, we learned really quickly, like, oh, this is not the best system, right? So the, the, the patch that we put on it was that we had Julia, you know, adjust her, her voicemail, say, hey, this is Julia, work with Adina Mortgages at Cross Country Mortgage. Please leave a message. We'll get back to you. This made her personal life a little bit tougher, because right, because now her mom's calling. I'm like, why am I getting you know a work phone number or whatever? So the solution we got is, um, I have a former student that now works at Verizon. He's really good. Um, by the way, if any if any listeners out there are with Verizon and you never want to go into the store again, but you need to upgrade a phone or you need to upgrade a line, let us know. We'll put Andrew Rista's contact information in below. I just I just recently upgraded six phone lines. I got five new phones and added a phone line, and I saved thirty dollars a month on my mortgage or on my on your mortgage. Payment. Yeah, it sounds like um, a mortgage payment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I talked to him, he said, "Hey, the solution is just add a phone line. That's just you know, I was, all you do is put put your voicemail on there. Yeah, forward those phone calls to that phone, and then let Julia bring bring that around. So now she's still available." You know, it, it's the same solution. If you don't get me, you get a real person, not a voicemail. But in if it's if it's eight thirty at night and I can't answer and she's not working anymore, and it goes to her. Now it'll still go to my voicemail. I can call that line at any time, listen to the voicemail, call you back. So that was like uh, that was a rough lesson to learn, man. I had a realtor all so upset with me when when they called me and then got Julia's voicemail said it was unprofessional all this, that, and the other. Um, but we learned, right? So if, if, if you're going to hire an assistant to forward calls to them, uh, think about maybe just getting a cheap phone. You know, doesn't even need to be a, a smartphone, right? This is just the, this is literally just a phone that's answering phone calls. Um, it has a voicemail on it. Uh, you don't so even need to get a phone, I don't think. I don't think you even need the device. I think you just pay for the, for the line. And you could have... Correct. I think there's free numbers that you could have gotten, but it probably wouldn't have been as easy. Um, so two questions. Uh, first off, was the realtor that was mad? Is that one of your realtors? No. Okay. Um, oh yeah. And that, well, then that would answer the other question, but yeah, it's just, uh, that, that's funny to me that it, it would upset them that much. I, I mean, when I, I did it with you just like three days ago and, uh, she answered and I was like, I was taken aback a little bit, like, I know I didn't miss dial, and I know I didn't miss dial well enough that it got an assistant to you. 
<laughs> I said, you know what, uh, you don't need to send him a message. I'll just text him and, and let him know. But uh, the other question I do have actually is, so you said you have to call in. So the voicemails that, that people leave, they wouldn't notify you. You have to call in to get the voicemail. Yeah, but it, 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 I, I'll see the phone, right? I'll see the phone call, okay. right? Because the phone call still comes to my phone first, my yeah. cell phone first. Yeah. Um, and I'll see that I missed it. And um, it, it's not very often that both Julia and I do miss it. Really, the only times it ever happens is after hours, right? Or if the, the, the rare occasions we have this sometime, right? You know, we three people call us back to back to back. Yeah. So I'm on the phone. Somebody calls. Now she's on the phone and a third person calls. Like it, it, it happens very rarely, but it does happen. Um, but during, during those rare instances, I'll still see all the phone calls on my phone. They still came to me. And it's really easy. I can dial that phone number real quick, see if they left a voicemail. And, um, but she can also, she has that phone. And if they did leave a voicemail, it's, uh, she just forwards it right to me. And I can listen to it right away without even having to call. That's so. nice. Now, um, does it show up on her phone then of who's calling or only the voicemail? Because I'm, I'm guessing because it's got a pipe, it's piped in. Does it stop with your caller ID and then just kind of ring, or does it show who's calling on her phone? Yeah, so it'll show who's calling on her phone. Very it'll good show phone number. Yeah, so um, it's you know most of my business is either in Indiana, Ohio, or South Carolina. So she'll know like, oh, this is South Carolina number. This is a Ohio number. This is you know she'll she'll see that. Um, so yeah, she'll, she'll she'll see that and she'll have a pretty good idea of who it is. And, um, you know, certain people that I do business a lot with, um, I saved in that phone, right? So like your phone number is now saved in that phone number, in that phone. So when Michael calls, um, does it say most important, please answer now. Like, is that the name you saved it under? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Stop what you're doing and pick up my call. (laughs) That will be furious if we ignore. Right. <laughs> Be prepared. <laughs> but no, yeah. So you know, it's it's worked out well. But that was that was a that was an issue, right? That was, yeah. that was something that made a couple people very mad over the course of a few days, and we had to quickly find a solution. Because um, I think the only other way to really have uh, to to solve that is to go the route where you have like four different phone numbers, and I think that that. It creates a lot of hassle for Google too, right? So I have a, a cell phone and a business phone, right? And my business phone is a Google Bo- it's a Google Voice phone number. Yeah. That comes to that comes to my cell phone, right? Because um, how many of us are in the office uh, all that often? No, I have I have the same thing. I, I actually got the voice number when it was uh, like you had to be invited. Like you, you yeah. each person had like five invites that they could get, and someone invited me. Um, so did you get a vanity number then, or no? Um, no, I, I just got a, I just got a local number that was easy to remember. It had a, a bunch of double numbers. Yeah, I, I, you know, I guess I, I could have done something like 1-800-DIN-OF-M or something. Well, you can't, before. you could, it was, it was really hard. It was, re- so I got, uh, so I invited myself after I got it and then I invited myself cause I knew that you, you could do that. Um, uh, or I figured out that you could do that. So I got uh four, five, five list and five, six, five cell, um, and it's funny because I, yeah. I don't, like, the cell I never put out anywhere, and if, I, I just keep it. But some people call sometimes, they're like, why didn't you call me back? And I'm like, I didn't even know you called that. Like, how did you even find that number? Um, so I get what you're saying for that simple fact. I, I, I do the same thing. Um, 
when you have multiple numbers, you, you really just want like one. And, and I actually give people my cell phone. I thought having the list number, I would have everyone piped into that. But I just, you know, to be honest, I just give them my cell phone number and, and it all goes mostly to my cell phone anyway. But I do, I do the same thing. Um, I, I almost all my business is from my cell phone. So many people text these days. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's just, it's just easiest for them. And again, like, like, Hey, like the, the process of like getting a new number and, um, then trying to tell everyone, Hey, call this number instead. That, that, that just seemed like a nightmare to me. Right. So the best, the best path forward was no, still call me and I will still answer if I'm available in the rare occasions that I'm not, you'll have a real person available to talk to you. One of my mentors say like this, he said, make it easy for people to give you money. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's, you know, it, it amazes me how many people in our industry have full mailboxes. I know. Right? Realtors and lenders, you know, imagine, I'm sure you, 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 you've dealt with this, right? You know, you have someone call you on a Saturday morning. They want to look at a home. They, you go to that home at 11, they want to put an offer, call a lender, mailbox full. You know what they're doing? They're calling a different one whose mailbox is not full, who will be able to get them a pre-approval today, right? Yeah. And that guy just lost how much of a commission just because his mailbox was full, right? So it's, uh, it's hard. It, it's hard because yeah. that, that example, uh, you know, you know my personal uh, stories about that. And, and, you know, so certainly, you know, um, I tell people up front, look, I'm not going to be available on Saturday. You can get a hold of me six days a week, 24-6. Like, I, I will be there for you. 24 hours, if you can't live without me for 24 hours, then I've done something wrong. Um, but at so- least when they call you it's on a, on a Saturday, it says that on the voicemail. Yeah, and they go, oh, okay. Today's a day off for Michael. I get it, right? Yeah, it's not just like I, I couldn't even get a hold of him. Yeah, mailbox was full. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing, right? Well, you get that voicemail. Okay, I'll wait till tomorrow. Exactly, and I think I honestly I I haven't run into other than family. Uh, I haven't run into anybody who says that's a problem. Uh, which goes, it's just funny how that works. Um, but I was gonna say. Um, Another thing that would probably be a benefit or a help, um, I've been through and with several lenders. Um, I would say one of my biggest issues is when there's 14 hands that a person has to deal with um, when they're getting their loan. And so just from, like again, just giving you a little piece of advice um, moving forward, I would add her name and contact information, if you haven't already, to your emails. Just say, hey, she's that way when people either hear from her as you grow. And I don't know what her business role is with you. If she's just intaking calls, that's one thing. But if if they're ever going to hear from her, um, it probably would be a good idea to go ahead and add her name so that people can already associate you two. Um, And then it's hard, but just you got to keep it limited on how many times multiple people are are. are contacting and asking for things, and it 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 does nothing but infuriate people, especially me because I'm in the business. And when I you know would go to get a loan for something, um, if Joe's asked me f- for this, and then Sally talks to me four weeks later and asks for the same thing, I'm like, y'all need to be on the same system and like 
save it somewhere where you're easily finding it and don't make me resend something when it's just higher up in the the 47 papers I've already sent you just scroll up to see it um right so so that's the only thing I would tell you um when I've talked to people who've went through the same growing pains um when they bring in more people a lot of times they they do a lot of hands off you know more like oh well I'm I'm letting them handle it and then and then something gets lost in the shuffle, and that that's the most infuriating thing. Because already, as you know, people get asked for so many documentation pieces, of, you know. And so when they have to resend it, um, it's just frustrating. I actually tell people, too, hey, don't be surprised when they ask you for stuff twice. It's better to just resend it, because if you argue with them and, and fuss at them, they're not going to go look at it. They're just going to push you down on their list. I say, if you, if they ask you for something put it in a file and save it because then if they need it again, just send the whole thing, you know, back. So, yeah, no, I think <clears throat> I want to take you behind the curtain a little bit <clears throat> to explain why some of that happens while also agreeing that one of the specific things you're talking about can be a huge problem and can cause a lot of frustration. Right. Um, so I, it's probably not ever going to be possible for a person to only talk to one person, for, for a buyer to only talk to one person throughout the whole process, because there are things that the loan originator is actually not allowed to do. Okay? Um, right. But the key here, there's two keys. Number one, the loan originator needs to communicate that to the buyer up front. Like, hey, you're mostly going to hear from me, but I also have a loan partner that helps with some things. And I also have a loan processor who is the only person that's allowed to do certain things, right, on the loan. I always describe, like, I, I, I describe the whole mortgage process as a court of law. The, the underwriter is the judge. She has the final say. Um, the buyer is the defendant, right? The loan officer is the lawyer that's trying to make the best case to the judge slash underwriter, why his defendant slash buyer should be allowed to buy this house, right? Right. And then the processor is the court bailiff, right? And so what that means is I and my loan partner may collect a bunch of documents from the defendant to give to the underwriter. But I don't walk right up to the underwriter and, and throw evidence on her, or I don't rock, walk right up to the judge and throw evidence on her on her you know, stand, right? Right. I stay in my seat, I give it to the court bailiff who organizes it, makes sure that makes sure that everything is done neatly and uh, truthfully, right? And then that person hands it to the judge. And so like for instance, there's actually certain things on the loan process that I'm not allowed to do. A verification of employment right at the end of the of the loan process, I'm not even allowed to do because that's uh the, the opportunity for mortgage fraud is too great there, right? Like, oh, yeah, wink, wink. I just, I just called this guy's employer, and he's still working. We're good. We're fine, right? Just, just go ahead, and everything's good, and, and pay me on this loan, right? No, no, no. The loan processor, who is a neutral third party, who's going to get paid whether or not this loan closes, that's the person that has to do that, right? Because she... Cause because she's going to be far less likely to lie about it. Um, but again, one of the things you said is very important. The key is 
if some loan part or if some loan processor that has not talked to the person for this entire process calls three days before closing, like, hey, I need um, your social security number so that I can do one last credit supplement. Whoa, and, and they're not expecting this? Who's calling me and asking for like important uh, very secure information, right? If the loan officer has at the highest point like, of hey, at the highest point of anxiety. Right. At the highest point, I mean, we've been doing this for three weeks, we've been doing this for four weeks, and now you're asking for this? Yeah. Um, and then the other thing you said is, is very true. Like, how many times have, uh, I already gave this to John. I already gave this to Julia. Why are you asking me, right? And sometimes, sometimes there is a reason we have to ask for it a second and third time, right? Uh, because... Uh, you want to make sure that wasn't photoshopped. Sometimes, I want to make sure it's not photoshopped. Uh, or, or more likely, you know, the the, the more likely uh, problem is like, I say, hey, I need your bank statement, and their bank statement has five pages, but the last one has nothing on it. You know, page five is literally a page that says this page left blank. Yeah. So they send me the first four pages of the bank statement. I'm like, hey, I need all the pages of the bank statement. They say they send me all the pages. I'm like, no, there's a fifth page. Well, there's nothing on that. I need it. <laughs> okay. And then they send me screenshots of the bank statement with the bottom cut off. And I say, no, I still need the bank statement. And now they've sent it to me four times and we're both frustrated because they actually haven't sent me a single usable version of it, right? Yeah. Um, that happens sometimes too, but yeah, you know, that's, at a certain point, there's gonna be a lot of hands in the, in the cookie jar trying to make <clears throat> this thing work. With everyone up front, like, this is how it's gonna be, and this is what I'll ask for, and this is what he'll ask for, or like, um, a lot of times what happens is, you know, buyer sends something to the loan officer and he doesn't send it ahead to the processor. And now it's been two days and the processor is like, hey, I, I'll just ask for this myself. I'll help out. You know, I sent this to John two days ago. Oh, my bad. Yeah, you're right, loan processor. He did send it to me. Here you go. Now we've just needlessly upset somebody. But it's a hard, it's a hard thing to close a loan. It, it, it really is. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things that have to go right. And sometimes you can do absolutely every single thing right. And then an appraisal comes in $47,000 short. You know, okay, well, back to square one, right? So it is what it is. Hey, real quick. Uh, so is it an option that you use Julia for some of those things that you're not allowed to do? Uh, meaning, like, because you couldn't do it, but is she able to as the filter to where people would only hear from two people? So that option is definitely available down the road. Mm -hmm. It takes some training, yeah. right? So it's not something she can do right now. Sure. But my ultimate goal, my ultimate goal is for basically us, her and I to be a two-person team and handle the entire loan process from start to finish. So if, you don't, if you're not hearing from John or Julia, um, ignore it. Yeah, see, that that's my ultimate goal. I yeah. think that's, um, that's that when you get to that point, that'll be good. I actually had a, a lender... I worked with and, and that was, there was only the two of them. And I, when you were saying that, it made me think, I bet that's how they did it. I bet that they had the assistant and they're a, they're a, a pretty good team. Um, yeah. And, uh, oh, one other question I had, your disc profile, have you ever run it on your wife? I have. Is she your opposite? So, um, she has a unique disc profile okay um but no she's she's not my opposite i don't want to let you too far into her personality i'm not going to share what her profile is she is 
she actually has one of my same, um, she has one of mine. We overlap on one thing. Yeah. And then she does have an opposite on the other. That's, that's the same with me too. That's so funny. Cause I was, I was thinking like, uh, just, you know, the interesting thing. And, um, I, I found that out from my cousin one time. Um, and, uh, you know, him, James, uh, but he, he had told me something about, you know, do you want to get somebody who challenges you? Well, if you marry somebody, you're complete opposite. You really aren't finding someone who challenges you all the time. You get someone who's right. more, um, especially when you're a driver, and I'm a driver. So uh, big, yeah. I would be a big D little I. Um, yeah. And so that's one of those things like, and, you know, it's interesting. I haven't always... Um, I, I did know the, you know, about people's personality and, but I didn't know how to categorize it till, you know, a few years ago. And when I found out about D's, um, and what that really means, I found out like when people thought maybe that I was being a jerk, I I was like, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but like, I got to get things done. And like, like that, that's literally all my focus is like, um, you know, even, even going into church, like, um, we, we pass off stuff. I'm in, in charge of the AV there. And so my weeks that I run, uh, the, you know, video and stuff is, is my job. I literally have to, in my head before I go in the doors, like first off, show up a little early, you know, so you can, and I, I'm a people person, right? Like I am very extrovert. Like I want to talk with people, but I also want to get a job done. So like I found myself like rushing up to upstairs or whatever. And I, I, I'm not, um, you know, as, as personable, um, as I should be, especially, you know, going to church. So it's like, um, when you find that thing, when you, when you're able to define, um, what personalities are, I think it's super important as a, as an owner to figure that out so that you can one, I mean, it's probably not a good thing if you don't work on your weaknesses and being a strong driver doesn't mean that you, you know, that you have no other weaknesses. Like you, you need to work on becoming a full, well, more well-rounded as best you can. And, um, so I feel like that's something that, you know, I, I learned from the, the profiling and, and, you know, getting into what does that mean? And, uh, it really helped me, um, understand I'm not a jerk. I just, that's how my mind works. Like I'm, I'm there to do a job and I'm going to get, get it done as quickly as possible the best way that I can. And, um, so. No, I, 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 one of the most helpful things I ever did was take that, this profile and, and learning your friend's personality is very helpful too, right? So I'm an ID, you're a DI. Um, so that means that we are going to oftentimes have the same solutions to problems, I think, and the same main goal but we're probably going to approach it a little bit differently. As an influencer, if I'm writing an email, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to set this up, and I want to, over the course of this email, persuade this person why this is the best course of action and why we're going to take it. Whereas someone that's a D is like, no, 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 we don't have time for this. This is what we're going to do, so let's just do it, right? And if I'm emailing uh, Julia... I might take the three to four paragraphs and I'll put it in Comic Sans, which is an easier font type for people with dyslexia to read, right? So I'll change the font type so that she can read it, and then I'll I'll um, I'll take the three four four paragraphs to take the time to influence. Like this is why we're going to do this. Um, and if I'm sending you a, uh, an email, I'm going to be like, okay, well, here's a problem, here's a solution. Michael gets it. He doesn't think I'm being rude or short. He's just like, okay, that's that's what we need. And I know that really helps your relationship with people. Um, and then finally, uh, I would say another thing you could do is on your text, you could do an audio text if that helps. 
But I don't know, we're learning with like dyslexia, sometimes they hear things backwards and jar jarbled too. So it's, it's like, um, but I don't know. Hey, we're going to wrap it up for today, man. Uh, why don't you give me your positive thoughts? We've had a lot, but uh, what do you got for us this week? Uh, okay, positive thought for this week. Um, somebody encouraged me a couple weeks ago to start doing this, and it's been very helpful for me. Um, he said, get up early enough in your day that you can have some unrushed time every morning, right? Use that time for whatever you need to. Um, I use it for Bible study and prayer. Maybe you're going to use it for something else. But he said, he said, John, figure out how early you need to get up to have truly unrushed time. If you get up at 5.30 and you feel like you have to rush through, it's not early enough. It's got to be 5. For me, I found, you know, 4.30 to 5 is how early I need to get up to have some unrushed time. And uh, you think you're going to need to sleep. Um, but I found, like, just having some unrushed time to be mindful about something has been really, really helpful for me. And it just kind of like centers me to start the day. Uh, it centers me on what I think is the most important thing in my life. And, um, you know, the rest of the day see, has seemed to go a little bit more smoothly since we started doing this. Um, this may be not, this may not be as much like a positive thought as like life advice, which I'm not necessarily trying to give. But I, this is just something that's been helpful for me recently. And it's, it's helped me, um, it's helped me in a lot of ways. So just want to share that. Awesome. Good stuff, John. Thanks again. Um, we'll see you next time. Sounds good.